0: Hey, welcome back to the Infos Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. This is episode 378. Say it ain't so, Lolo.
1: Ding dong, Vicky's gone.
0: <sighs> Shit, yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, real quick, before we get started, we had meant to give um, the um, The Last of Us our, our season-wide out of 10... Um, And we forgot to do that. So, out of 10 um, carnivorous mushrooms, I give it a 3.5. Okay.
1: I give it a a 4.5. Again, we've talked about it enough. I just, other than a couple episodes, I just didn't care. I I, didn't care. I gave it an 8 for production. Mm -hmm. Which was
0: fantastic. A, a a two for, for storytelling.
1: And again, if we if we were voting just on Pedro, he he also was the yes. Um he I kept I, it a, a lot of it afloat. I will say very um, good job.
0: as critical as I am of Mr. Pascal, who may or may not be a Mr. Pascal, I don't know. Um <clears throat> he did a very good job.
1: Yes, he did.
0: And and he's actually doing a good job on The Mandalorian.
1: Yes. And, and evidently you like him in uh, Go watch the Massive
0: Talent movie. The Massive Talent. Because I one I to you'll totally understand the meme better. <laughs> yeah. And and two, that's like Daryl is like Nate Cage making that face at me most of the time while I'm making the Bone the <laughs> Down face. So just heads up. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? (laughs) (coughs) Oh, that's funny. So, all right. uh, Real quick before we get started. This is not a sponsored, paid anything, but Daryl, this last week we went shooting, um, not you and I, but me and and another friend, we went shooting at this place called, it's in Cincinnati, in um, Northern Cincinnati, called Premier Training Center. And everyone, if you live in the area and you like to shoot, you should go there. Because one, their range is awesome. They have two range officers at all time, which is great. Um, And then three, they have a speakeasy. So when you're done shooting, um, you can go have a drink. And they they have really good drinks. Um, But they scan your license when you go in to shoot. And then they scan your license when you go into the bar, which makes you not allowed to go back and shoot. Which, yeah. So they're that's, like that's, just that's, for safety. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out that, that that is like they, that is like their very top of mind thing. So,
1: which is great. Uh, the, the fact that they have a speakeasy is awesome. Yep. They've those extra precautions.
0: They also have a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai JoJo's there. So, damn. Yeah. That place is. They're going to have pickleball. Oh. They have two five acre uh, ponds that you can fish in. Yeah. They've got a little mini arcade. So Jeez, yeah. do they have a gaming preserve? That would be great. Go hunt me a lion.
1: Just just no zebras. They might bite off your arm. Well, did you see that As- one, the video
0: of the camel that the guy punched and then the camel killed him? No. He grabbed him the camel so- grabs the dude by the arm and like shakes him up and down and and then the guy gets away for a second, and then the camel gets back after him and just is like, Yeah, no, you're dead.
1: So, yeah, in, I think it was Circleville, Ohio, a couple of days ago, a guy yeah. got, had a 911 call with a zebra he had, because evidently zebras are not uh, classified as exotic animals. Mm. They're not? Like, yeah. No. Weird. A bit, according to one article I read, mm. I, I'm i not certain, but it almost bit the guy's arm off, Yeah. and it paid with his life. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, so, cool. yes, that's not a plug, uh, just a yeah. little bit of, did you know?
0: Did you know? All right. No, I just yes, wanted Seabers to share. Seeders can be like, mean like, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think that's it.
1: Yeah. I, I'd say one more thing, oh, yeah. and I just got the email. just told you. So uh, for those that we've talked about, you know, Eric July and his Ripperverse <laughs> comics. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's been a while, uh, quite a while, since uh, the first uh, issue of Isom came out. But we just got an email. And if you go to the site, Ripperverse.com, There is a countdown, one day, 23 hours, and 11 minutes. So some type of announcement's going to happen very soon, uh, Mm -hmm. which is very, very, very exciting news because, again, we've talked about how much we did like Isom, but also Mm -hmm. need to get the ball rolling on more stuff. Right. So this is right up to where he needs to be. And hopefully after, you know, I know that Isom was sometime last year hopefully what we get this year is more than just one book. Um, and I don't mean just Isom because yeah. he also mentioned that there are more, there are a couple other books being worked on, not by him, but by other folks that are going to be a part of this uh, Ripperverse. So I, I'm really excited to find out more about that yeah. as well as getting more of Isom. Yeah. And I guess
0: the last thing is uh, Ethan Skyver cool. announced the next um, book for Bat- uh, Battletoads, Cybertoad is uh gonna launch the campaign's gonna launch on july fourth. He announced that on uh Timcast IRL last night. And if you're going to have famous comic book artists on and you're trying to talk to them yeah. about comic book characters, talk about the comics, not the movies. Just putting that one out there. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I'm 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 shaming normies. <laughs> Cause I get accused of being an elitist all the time for this shit, so I'm leaning into it all right let's get to our our solitary news bite of the week um, speaking of normies uh, Victoria Alonso was fired from Marvel Or well uh, Marvel Studios my bad
1: so which for people like us is great news
0: I mean that's why the subheading on this uh, this week's episode yeah. is dig dong Vicky's gone um, So yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of questions about like why she was fired and, and what was going on. Um, you know, it couldn't possibly be that she is part of the reason why we've got this whole MCU thing going on and all the race and gender and sexuality swaps going on. Um, across marvel so hopefully this means that x-men 97 isn't going to happen because the guy who's running that show did you see he came out and he said he's going to write it from the perspective of a gay black man in modern times yeah so so i don't understand why they get these people who were born in like 1998 to work on this stuff
1: it's again all it is it's not to get the best product but it's to get the best brownie points yeah but those people
0: don't watch or buy any of this stuff
1: yeah oh my god i I forgot she's also
0: gay i forgot about okay so she okay so here's the thing let's get into this real quick uh so she was one of eight producers on the international production of a movie that was distributed by amazon called argentina 1985 um and this is ultimately what led to her termination though Because she had an agreement saying that she would not be employed by a competing studio. Um, She did not ask permission from Disney Marvel to work on Argentina in 1985, uh, nor did she give notice um, about it and then just did the film. So she thought she had minority gay woman privilege, which is the Mm -hmm. best kind of privilege you can have in America right now. Like right, Right. one hundred percent. And so she went and did it, thinking like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm just gonna get away with this." I mean, they walked her out, like they had security and everything. It was like it's like a big deal. I mean, this is a huge deal. I mean, this is she is the number two. There are people who thought that at some point she would be the number one at at Disney uh, at Marvel Disney.
1: Yeah, this. Is, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't even know about that aspect of it. So, how, yeah, that is. I mean, there are people who stuff. who yeah. thought
0: she was really going to be the heir apparent, um, to to Kevin Feige, if and when he decides to step down. Which I imagine, like, I mean, we've been talking about this. It's diminishing returns at this point. Feige's probably got to go.
1: Yeah, uh, I think he has to go. Yeah. I, I, it's. It reminds me of back when I talked about Roger Goodell, mm-hmm. and I mean he's he actually I just saw that he got another two year deal. Well, I think it was
0: uh, just real quick. But, the difference between Kevin Feige and Roger Goodell is that Kevin Feige is oblivious to reality, and Roger Goodell mm-hmm. is legitimately evil.
1: Yeah. So no, what I'm talking <laughs> about what I'm talking about is when they first came up, Roger Goodell. I don't like mm. him. I, I thought he should have been gone a long time ago, mm. but some of the stuff he did was absolutely the first couple of years. Oh, okay. I get It was, you're saying. Good, was yeah. really good. And then I was, I said several years ago, I was like, this guy needs to go because yeah. this is, and again, he stayed too long. And now he, he absolutely, I just look at him, feels like he's untouchable and he can do anything he wants. And not just because he's a commissioner, but just because he, he, yeah. he, he takes the MJF vibe, like better sure. than you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Kevin let's be honest Beige. though, he is not the worst commissioner in sports. Oh no, he's I not. Mean, no, not you, you you've, you've still Silver? got Rob B- Matt Manfred below him. And then below yeah. Rob Manfred, who surprisingly is not the uh the worst, <laughs> is Adam Silver, you oh, know, with it. the with the uh the NBA. Um and then don't forget uh Gary Bettman from the National Hockey League, who I don't think you can really count because I think he's borderline retarded. So oh. um, yeah, let's just leave that there.
1: <laughs>
0: but yes. Yeah, yeah. So but with, I agree. Feige, I think Feige, yeah.
1: Feige absolutely needs to go. He needs to
0: go. Yes. Um, because- but okay. So but back to Victoria Alonso. So one of the a couple issues with her that, that she's been – In the news about lately and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, for her misunderstanding of the characters or not even knowing about the characters to the way she treated because she's in charge of post production and visual effects as well as animation Mm -hmm. um, to the way she treated VFX artists as far as like super tight deadlines, long working hours, um, no actual vision, like not providing the vision for like what these things should look like because let's be honest like after guardians of the galaxy the mcu went like super super vfx heavy yeah oh oh yes like yeah the first the, like the first iron man yes there's vfx but there's not a ton of it right
1: because a lot of that he's in this he has a stand yeah, he had the suit yeah,
0: right and in then, the suit yeah so um you know like the fact that like thor's cape like after the first movie was CG, like, I mean, Superman's Cape is CG and mo- most of the time, which is real. I hate, like, just make it a cape, yeah. like blow yeah. some wind on it. Like, you know, like you can make it like you can do practical things to make it look like it's blowing in the wind. Um, like it's a Cape flapping. right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. Um, I guess uh, she still has some supporters. Some Hayek is one of them. So, you know, the Latina women sticking together there. She called her the best hefa ever. So not heifer, jefa, which is, you know, the, the feminine for jefe, which is boss in Spanish for those of you who, who do not habla espanol. <laughs> Hablamos espanol? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, she was, uh, you know, she's just, she's been a thorn in the side of like real fans for a really long time. Um, it's unclear who's gonna take over for her. It looks like, um, Jen Underhall, um, might be working in her spot for the interim interim. Um, so, but I mean, the one thing you can say is like, She was involved with, you know, like 18 or 19 of the 24 Marvel movies that have been out. I mean, that's that. I mean, at the end of the day, she's going to have a super impressive resume of things she was involved in. Mm -hmm. But we have to make sure we keep telling the truth about who and what she is. And that is an IP ruining asshole. Yes. So. Um, but yeah, no, this was our sole news bite. Um, again, I feel bad that she's fired, but you know, she's got jobs, you know, she, she was involved with, a uh, Oscar nominated film. I think the, that was the final straw though, when she showed up at the Oscars okay. for Argentina in 1985 and not yeah. black Panther Wakanda for never.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I, I will say that I don't feel bad one bit. I feel bad no. when people lose their jobs, when you know, they're doing their best. And they're, and, and again, sometimes it's you know economy, sometimes it's, it's downsizing and all that. But when somebody continually does stuff like she does and has a partner, because I'm not saying everything is her, has a big hand. In, and that's why I said Feige, I think, mm-hmm. leads to go after what he's done the last few years. Despite, again, she's been involved with some good stuff, too, in her past. I'm talking about the last few years, her and Feige have almost ruined the MCU and what they, what was created by their terrible decisions and just basically virtue signaling. So I have, I have, again, I'm happy she's gone because for the sense of hopefully, which I still think because Feige's still there, I don't know how much is going to change to be honest. But it's a start. right? If if we want to get good movies, and again, I'm just talking about the Marvel movies, good comic book movies from Marvel, this is a start. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's still a long way to go. Yeah. And
0: I'm going to disagree for a second. I think she was doing her best. Her best to ruin Marvel. There you go. (laughs) So, Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Ding dong. Vicky is gone. All right. So speaking of people that are gone. um, The Mandalorian. uh, Season three, episode four. um, It's called The Foundling. Directed. Oh, wait. Sorry. Hold on. I have a misprint here. Uh, This was. Oh, no. Yeah. This was directed by Carl Weathers. Um, who is two for two with his directing for the, uh, the Mandalorian. It was directed or written by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, and I, uh, I gave this one out of, uh, how are you going to train your dragons? I gave this a four <laughs> out of five. <laughs> uh, oh, they That's only like- get funnier. They only get funnier. Yeah. So anyway,
1: yeah, I haven't even looked, I haven't looked. Yeah. So I gave this one, uh, three and a half out of five. Okay. Uh, it was, I had all, I did have fun with it. Um, um uh,
0: yeah. I, so you know what I really liked about this is, um, we got like some character development for like characters that I didn't know. I really cared about development for, um, mm-hmm. like Paz Vizla, for example, and yeah. the not Din Djarin that we saw in the first episode that was not a flashback of the kid getting the helmet is his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's my question, though. Do they take the helmets off to have sex?
1: Well, no, they just, they just, they just go doggy style.
0: Well, I mean, because like, do you remember that show Nip Tuck? Yeah. With um, the guy that played Dr. Doom in the uh, the first Fantastic Four movie, Julian something. Yeah. Julian, what's his name? Um, <laughs> so on Nip Talk, there was a story arc where he was definitely going through a slump buster phase with this girl who was not super attractive. And she was like kind of a feminist. And he made her put a bag on her head. And it's like, that is like the most humiliating thing. Like, if you're going to do that, like, why bother? Right. So it's yeah. like, yeah. is this humiliating or would it be more humiliating for them to take the helmets off
1: and see each other's o faces? <laughs> I think they keep the helmets on <laughs> or just or have the helmets off, but in pitch blackness. <laughs> right.
0: So, but OK, so if they're never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is going. Down a, We're going down a rabbit, a hole. rabbit hole path. Uh, of- anyway. Uh, so the, the fowlings are, are doing some training. Um, and Dan is like, Grogu's got next. You little bitches aren't even ready.
1: (laughs) I love that. He's like, dude, it's okay. Yeah. Do what you do.
0: He's like, you do you.
1: Um,
0: I will say, since we were just talking about bad Disney property, CGI, um, Mm -hmm. Grogu flipping around. I think they Dude, are that is so they are they should really be regretting the fact that he still looks like a baby, and they should have been like, "Oh yeah, this is like after 50 years, then they like gro- they have a big growth spurt, and like, Grogu should be like the size of a toddler, not the size of a baby, um to yeah. make any of this believable or work.
1: It's almost as if, it, in parts, with the flipping thing, it's a, it's harkening back to a a more a, a gentler and uh, time with special effects, cause yeah. like the campiness of it, because it looks so bad. It but looks, it could have funny. Here's the thing,
0: like, though: is it could have looked, it, it could have been practical, and it could have worked better. But it wasn't practical. Yeah. It was CG, and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, it was bad. So. I mean. It, again, didn't take away from the enjoyment, but it was one of those things where you look at in motion, and it's mm-hmm. just—you you mean you couldn't do- have done better than this, right? Apparently, no. Um,
0: but Grogu does his thing; he wins. He gets a little mudhorn sigil medallion that is literally as big as his body. Um, again, the reason they should have like aged him up a little bit and really shown that like time has you know, progress, maybe let him talk like, you know, have him talk normal. So people could be really be like, dude, Yoda was an asshole. Just fucking with people. Um, (laughs) so, um, but while the armorer is going through and, uh, making, making his, uh, his new, uh, Flava Flav style clock with the mud horn on it. Um, he has flashbacks to order 66 and, um, I, I really liked this because we got a really deep cut for a Star Wars character, uh, Keller and Beck, um, who is from the Jedi Temple game or TV show, sorry, kids show, um, and it was played by Ahmed Best.
1: Yeah, um, which the second I saw that his face, I'm thinking, okay, where do I know this guy from? I, yeah. I knew it, I but and then I didn't realize until after and who yeah and was. for
0: for all the people who are bashing like him like cuz there there was a whole thing on like twitter about like his lightsaber skills it's like um one he looked really fucking good dual wielding a green and blue blade and and yeah. two the, the 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 question is not like why did he have aim like an empire level stormtrooper at like shooting blaster bolts back to you know he was like flying a busted speeder bike trying to protect Grogu. Like, you know, there, there's not... You know, I thought it was great. I like the fact that he got away um, with the Nibu-ian, uh little um, skiff there. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, hopefully we see more flashbacks with him because I thought it was yeah. a pretty interesting character. And I really liked watching him get Grogu out of Coruscant. I thought that was... That was a much needed thing, and I will reiterate another reason why Grogu should be older.
1: Yes, and older looking. First, older looking. Yes, I mean, older looking. Yes. Man. Yeah. 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 I re- I really I did like the flashback at first when it first when it started. I I'll admit I wasn't sure how it was going to how much mm-hmm. I was going to enjoy it. I thought it was just going to be another a nice little thirty second forty second thing, but no, this was its own little story it within the story, but mm-hmm. it was done very you know concise. So unlike gave last week a lot week, of good action. Where, yeah, yes. Where yep. the
0: detour last week was just boring and predictable and like has nothing to do moving forward, really, in my opinion. Um mm-hmm. like this was this is tied into Grogu's journey and watching they did a good job cutting back to Grogu's face, the hammering, the sparks, all of that. Um, I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, I really like. it. And it too. was, it was a really, it was a great B story. And then it was also a C story within there because it was about Grogu's new mentor who is the, the armorer, you know, it's not mm-hmm. just, it's not just Bo now. And it's not just, um, Din, obviously, um, mm-hmm. now, now the armorer has taken, you know, uh, a thought or a, a beat into into his life
1: um, yeah yeah and i really like the armor's place in this episode mm-hmm. not just with grogu but with Bo-Katan yeah. as well i, I mean she's I, my I favorite Bo- character on the show yeah she's my i thought favorite that character, was great so, yeah. i i really loved her conversation and her with with uh Bo-Katan yeah. when she gets what is it the uh van, was it the van brace i think the pauldron the pauldron pauldron not yeah. bamberg's it's for the
0: arm, arm but yeah, yeah. the pauldron so um yes it was uh it was really good you know especially when bo's like i saw a mythosaur many of us see myth- mythosaurs that yeah. come to us. it's like no bitch i literally saw a mythosaur uh-huh sure you did
1: uh um, she had she had that star wars the armor used that star wars mentor type you know vagueness it's like yeah we all see this yeah this all this all happens just
0: my, uh, where
1: you just it, there yeah. is not specific it's just there's a vague a brush of vagueness they use my
0: my, my favorite like, part Obi-Wan. of that was when she asked in the the armor did the the golden retriever golden doodle that HUD tilt <laughs> like when <laughs> when you know when you play something for a dog and all of a sudden it starts paying attention and it tilts its head like she did that yeah. she's like oh mythosaur and then um i liked um uh, I liked how Bo was like, Well, on my pauldron instead of a night owl, can I get the mythosaur? Because I'm obviously going back and I'm obviously going to tame that motherfucker. Um, so that was good. The A story, though, was really great. Like learning that Paz Vizla has a kid um, and that that kid is obviously like s- squirted in some sort of angry creature pheromones. Because the uh, the giant alligator tried to eat it before, and now the dragon yeah. kidnapped it and, like, was warming it up, I guess, in its mouth to, to let it battle the baby dragons. Um, they're actually called Shreecocks, by the way, but I'm calling them dragons, um, to battle the baby dragons in the nest. <laughs> and did you notice there was, like, a random helmet in there? I did. Like that yes, pink, like that reddish looked- pinkish helmet. I was like, hmm, yeah. how many of these, how many of these younglings have they given up? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, dude, but have a lookout or something. Um, I liked that. Like when they were chasing the dragon initially, like the, um, the heavy gunner, um, the heavy Mando and, and Mando, like the heavy Mando ran out of fuel on his jetpack, yeah. And then, you know, Bo went flying by and in, uh, in the gauntlet to, uh, to track it. And then they put a plan together and she's like, Oh yeah. When I was just a kid, I, I scaled, you know, mountains half that size.
1: And then she took her helmet off while they were all asleep. Well, she was the one because she was a party leader. Mm -hmm. She, she was the one to be able to sit by the fire.
0: Right. But she also took her helmet off. So I hope nobody kind of like was half asleep and like saw that. (laughs) So, um, I did like that. Um, Paz's kid is called Ragnar.
1: Ragnar, Ragnar yeah,
0: that's kind of a cool name, Ragnar Vizla. Um, hopefully, he does not go out by falling in a pit of snakes. Yes. So, I um, yeah, but I do look forward to seeing him taking
1: Saxon land to farm. <laughs> yeah, I, I really did like a lot of this. It, I, it was, this, and again, yeah, it shows. How, when you're just go straight forward, you don't try to, you know, the whole what, what is it? The whole subvert expectations yeah. and all that shiza. It's just give us a good story. Yeah. Get, you know, get point A to point B. And again, Mandalorian is usually like that. That's why one of the things I've liked about it for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it veers off like last week. Yeah. But like you said, there's that A storyline that was strong the flashback B and mm-hmm. then getting more involved, get, having the armor have basically be mentor to two individuals yeah. in, or that mentor relationship or that mentor speech. Mm-hmm. I w- I would call it was very entertaining because yeah. you know I, I just really like her character and just the, just the nature of the armor. Yep. I do agree.
0: So, um, Oh yeah, I gave it a four out of five. I don't know if I said that yes so anyway all right um so yeah that was really good i for me this is this is uh one of my favorite episodes this is my favorite episode of the season so far um, oh
1: yes 100
0: percent. okay so let's move on to the next one which is ted lasso season three episode two right yeah right episode two um yes. This one is called In Parentheticals. I don't want to, I don't want to go to, and then Chelsea, directed by MJ Delaney, who directed last week's episode, written by Sasha Guerin. Um, and uh so Trent Trent, um, Trent Krim. Words are hard. Formerly of the independent. Formerly of the independent, now independent Trent Krim, <laughs> uh, wants to write a book and Ted Lot walks in and like He's like, hey, and he's like, yeah, he wants to write a book, and they're all like, no, 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 <laughs> and he's like, let's do it. It's like, <laughs> fucking Ted. Oh my god, what are you doing? Um, and uh, it was really funny because, like, Roy, when when he gets down there, like, he's like, I. Any of you talk to this prick, and
1: I'll headbutt you. <laughs> so, I uh, did you write? Did you see Jamie's reaction to that? Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell if that was him laughing as far as the character I think or the, he was, looks, I think he broke
0: I think he was laughing I thought, because he, yeah. he couldn't like hold it in because it was
1: fucking hilarious um, and I thought yeah. the same thing just by how like overt, oh, his la- holding in the laughter was. I, I was saying, I think dude broke right there. Cause when they went back
0: the to, thing. like, when they, they cut away and then they went back, which was obviously another shot, he was like completely stone faced. So, yeah, I think it was probably like the best, um, the best take that, or the best whatever, uh, yeah, take that, that Brent had there, uh, Brent Goldstein mm-hmm. as, as Roy fucking Kent. Um, but, uh, yeah uh it was it was really that was that was great and then you know when when trent Krim would walk into the room and everyone would just go quiet but i did like yeah. danny's original response fuck you trent Krim," <laughs> which was like he said it with a smile and he's like it was like you know all with love at the same time um but yeah it was uh i i, I don't know i like this episode um i gave it oh i gave it a 3.75 out of five
1: and I, I I dropped a three point five with this one as well. Yeah. And uh oh, I, and it's out of out of five. I
0: can't believe he held a grudge for that long. Yeah. So um,
1: I really I really like that scene between Trent and Roy in the, the shower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I the way he was going at Trent, I, I kept thinking Trent must have written something. Right, that really, really got him. Mm-hmm. But it made sense because it wasn't like something when Troy, when Roy was like twenty two or twenty four or twenty eight. Or it was he. It was something he wrote when Trent when uh, Roy was seventeen, his mm-hmm. first game ever. Right, and you know, stunk up the place. And it was, and I loved what you know Trent. He earned. He owned it. He was like, you know, I was trying to make a name for myself, being this, you know, this that, or the other. You know how. Mm-hmm. How some you know writers, or sometimes you know, if I if I'm if I have a stinging you know rejoinder about something, or a stinging one line about this person, or this movie, remember that. Right. And I thought that was a very very good scene, and I mean it it, it was a reminder, and and we know this, but it was a reminder that you know, these people you think are that some people look at as invincible and top of the world they're still people right and stuff that that they hear and especially when they're young and impressionable how that can stick with them and i i really like the fact that we got a we got a resolution to it it wasn't one of those things that lasted because
0: yeah i'm glad they didn't drag it out beyond this episode yes
1: um yes you know but it, it was funny
0: it was it was great and um You know, uh, and then, uh, Zava (laughs) when, when he walked in and he had the, um, the Xander cage, uh, from triple X jacket on, you know, um, it's like, oh, this dude's a douche. Oh, of course he is. You know, um, and Rupert being evil again, you know, Anthony, Anthony
1: head doing a great job being the villain yeah so oh, man he t- he just he just continually just rips into rebecca oh yeah where it's like yeah i thought he's like i thought i thought richmond was your team and it's like well it was but you know like all guys i you know sometimes get tired of stuff yeah it's, and the way it's, he yeah, said it yeah just he was man, it was just dark
0: <laughs> it's like wow what are you what are you trying to do to her <laughs> What What is happening? It's, Why are you such a jerk? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so that was good. I, I thought that the actual Chelsea game. So, um, you know, I, I almost called this uh, out of five face goals. Um, because in the first <laughs> half, Danny missed a goal that hit off his face. And then in the second half, it hit off his face and it went in, which was really funny. It's like my face scored a goal. Um, but... Uh, I think the funniest, like reoccurring thing in the episode, and we'll get to we'll get to Keely in a second, but uh, was the reaction to everybody had finding out that Roy and Keeley broke up. One and then two, they all assume she dumped him, and when he tells yeah. them he broke up with her, they're like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then but every person he talked to, do you realize it was like. When he said "fucking whoever," like "fucking Bruce," mm-hmm. it was a different person every time, depending on who he was talking to, because he knew who yeah. obviously told that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought it was great that he got the the he's here, he's there, he's ever fucking where Roy can't, Roy can't. Um, yeah, at the game because he had been a star for Chelsea for so long, and then sharing that backstory about why he left, and you know that was that was a really great like touching moment. At- um, yeah. at mm-hmm. like honestly, I think that was probably my favorite part of the episode. Um, followed very closely by Rebecca following Zava into the bathroom and you know browbeating him essentially, and then being like, "You drink, you ate too much asparagus, dude." Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so the Keeley stuff. Um, I think it would have been interesting like having them had that breakup talk for Keely not to be in this episode at
1: all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could see where you're not that I don't like the that,
0: character. Uh, yeah. Cause I do. And, and like, I like the progression Keely made in this episode. I just think like we needed to miss her for an episode as mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and, and like really kind of laugh at everybody, like consoling Roy. Right yeah um so but she's there she's got that horrible barbara woman who's her cfo uh who's just rude right um and so then she goes and her friend helps the the commercial um director make the club look like it's more full so that they don't have to hire any more extras and stay under time because barbara was very clear to keely don't go over time um um and then so keely hires her and then barbara's rude to her and like it was really nice to see keely step up and go and be like look you can't treat people like that you can't talk like that like somebody gave you a chance somebody's giving me a chance now
1: we're gonna give her a chance and i i really like that and like oh sorry good no i was gonna say again going to that that could have dragged out for a couple episodes Mm -hmm. and instead they you know it starts at the beginning And you see the stuff going through the episode and then you get a a potential, uh, it looks like a potential resolution Mm -hmm. because looking at the woman's reaction, it seemed like she was receptive to the criticism that Keely was giving her.
0: Well, I mean, and you know, because like Keely's hilarious too, because I love when she was leaving. By the way, I totally made up that. Job title. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but no, I, like I told you on the phone when I, when I was driving back from the gym, um, letting you know, I was going to be running late. This was, this was like, this is the most consistent show on television. 100% 100% of the time. It is the most consistent show. As far as like staying true to the characters, staying true to the story. Last week's was a little bit dark because Ted was, is such in a depressive state. Um, Mm -hmm. it was good to see him happier. Um, I really wish at the end of the episode, uh, one of the guys would have gone out with him. Like, I think that would Mm -hmm. have been, you know, um, like I'd like this whole burgeoning friendship between him and Trent. Um, it would have been great just to see them go off and do something. Right. Right. Instead yeah. of just leaving Ted by himself. And I think because like Jason Sudeikis is going through what he's going through at the moment. And it was announced, I think, yesterday. So what we're recording this on the 25th. It was like the 23rd or 24th of March. Um, like uh, the courts gave... Um, Olivia Wilde custody of their two kids or their kids. I don't have any there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's obviously going through something similar in real life to what Ted is going through. And it's definitely like bleeding into the scripts with the way Ted is
1: being written. Mm. I, I I think so. And maybe that's and why your, there was such
0: a delay and, and everything.
1: Yeah. And also to your point, as far as the consistency, I, it's hard to argue that honestly. like, as far as what we watch, mm-hmm. Let's just say, again, there could be more consistent shows, but i was just talking about the things we watch and review from a episode to episode basis. And again, you know, obviously, we talked about seasons, you know, the first couple of seasons when I watched it last year, finally, but we never talked about them from an, a weekly perspective. And yes, on a weekly perspective, this show is extremely consistent with not just the comedy. Mm-hmm. But the just the acting, the the way the character, the character arcs, how things don't play out for several episodes and get stale, like right. uh, like you see in a lot of shows, it just everything about this show is so well done. Right. It's. And so I I have a hard time arguing that, honestly. Like, arguing against what you said about the consistency. Because you can't. (laughs) Perfect argument. Fatality.
0: (laughs) Are you that Mickey? Uh, Oh, God, no. I was just doing Mortal (laughs) Kombat. But that Mickey's hilarious. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Let's move on to... uh, to the next thing that we're talking about, which to me was the most disappointing episode of the week. Um, and and when I say most most disappointing, like it's not a horrible episode; it just was not up to standard. It was not up to the standard of what the show is, mm-hmm. and that is Superman and Lois, season three, episode two, Uncontrollable Forces, directed by Elizabeth Fitzsimmons. Henstridge and directed by Kate Aldrin, Katie Aldrin, who has directed several episodes of soups and Lolo, by the way. So, um, you know, um, or been involved with soups and Lolo for a while. Um, and I think, uh, only has she, no, she has not. Oh yeah, no, she has. She's been involved since the first season. Um, so yeah, so I, I thought this was, uh, I tell you what, I tell you what the difference is between this episode and the first episode and, and kind of like leading in through the second or for the majority of season two is they have given these writers, the written by are, they're all solo now. They didn't pair them like they did last season in the year before. Um, and I, I, I think that I feel like, yeah, because I thought like, because Sarah was written, written really uneven um, this time around. Um I don't feel like Lois would ever have hidden the cancer thing from Clark. I think she would have gone to him immediately and, and been like, how are we gonna fight we're gonna fight this? How we're we gonna fight this. <laughs> um, this was a very like anti Lois Lane. Um and um I think the the focus on on there was too much focus on Lana. And I also hate the fact that Autumn on a is a woman now.
1: And has superpowers. No yeah so so uh what uh, yeah i was going to say about this episode is when you're when writing I, I, again it's fine that you, you're going to end up go from you're going to end up at a specific mm-hmm. spot and this sounds weird when you're talking about writing because writing is in a way contrived but at the same time a good writing makes you not feel that way and that's what this felt like with using lois's Finally, using finally admitting what's wrong with her because we knew it was wrong with her after she had that exam. I knew what was wrong with her. Finding when she out, said she
0: wasn't pregnant, you knew what was wrong with her.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. So finding that out because she's talking to the judge, who's going to feeling like you know she has the judge has to kill herself because of reasons and the you know the who she's indebted, indebted to and all that stuff. That felt contrived. That whole ep- the whole Lois keeping it a secret, only to use it at that that moment, and of course yeah. Clark come in and hear that. That felt too contrived, and it took it took away something that should have been really powerful to me, right? In yeah, in the sense of her coming to terms, and and again, one of the, what do we talk about when we talk about uh, how they handled you know the death of Jonathan or. Of Jonathan Kent in Mm -hmm. Superman in the original, it was to show that, look, what did he say in the first Superman movie? I have all these powers, but I still couldn't save him. Right. And so that's there. That is what this kind of is in a way. Although based on having his own fortress of solitude and the Kryptonians. Right. And a Kryptonian mom is going to be like, oh, yeah, we yeah. cured
0: breast cancer on Krypton
1: years oh, ago. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, not a now. problem. It's yeah, Super this, easy. Barely an inconvenience. This rare <laughs> breast cancer
0: on Earth. Yeah, no, yeah. we we got this. It's fine. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Like, that would be, I, like, would that stupid. be your first, like, um inclination as that a. Was uh, absolutely. As, as someone who's married to Superman, like, can we go to the Fortress and see what she can do about this? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, come on. Why do we why do we got this future future fortress if we can't? I really
1: hope they don't make the mistake of not addressing that. Uh, I think they. I don't. But
0: who? I think they they have to. Yeah,
1: but I. That's what I mean. This and again, it wasn't bad, but it felt too contrived. Also, uh, seeing the conversation between Clark and um, I was going to say Tyrese, but uh, Cuddy. uh, Yeah. What what is this? What is this? The character's name.
0: Uh, Bruno Mannheim,
1: ugly Mannheim,
0: but because it's played by Chad Coleman, I don't think they'll call him ugly because people are like, why are you being so racist calling the black guy ugly?
1: Yeah. So that, that conversation about Clark, just forgetting about basically forgetting about people in, you know, the inner city that that's what the, that's basically what he was saying. And he just, you know, saves people or he just goes off to another fire, which again, he is the protector of the world. But right. while I, I could I can see sort because I thought Chad Coleman did a great job. I'm just talking about the material that he was given. I thought his emotional impact on that scene or his emotional emotional delivery was solid. Yeah. It's just again, what he was saying, while maybe true for him, it just felt again, felt a little too contrived.
0: Yeah, it's it's the and, whole like, well, you didn't you like, you know, it's the whole argument. Like Superman is not an on the ground hero and when you try to make right. him like spider-man where you're stopping like local crime and stuff like that that mm-hmm. that superman does not work on that level um no. that's why that's why like you have steel right um mm-hmm. and not not that steel was going in like stopping all that or anything like that but uh what i'm saying is that <sighs> Superman is the big picture hero. Like he's the one who's stopping like the spaceships from crashing into things, or meteors hitting Earth, or like a massive mm-hmm. crime wave, things like that. Um, or natural s-
1: disaster type s- stopping stopping
0: other metas that like nobody else can yeah. stop. Right? Yes, natural disasters, disasters. Exactly. And and for a character that they're 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 introducing to us who is so strategically sound in how he's going about being evil to the fact that he, he's able to deny being the bad guy because it's like, they've never mm-hmm. proved that they keep saying that, but there's no proof. Um, which is really a good way to do this character because in, in the comics and the cartoons, he's kind of a one note mustache curling vi- villain. Um, it, it's, it's, it's like, Oh, okay. So now you, you you're literally playing the race card. On, on Superman yeah, and, for for not stopping people from killing themselves in suicide slums.
1: Yeah, and and that just, again, like I said, I thought Chad Coleman did a... His delivery was great. Yeah, the material, though, yeah. just... It just... It rubbed me the wrong way, and then adding to that the contrived nature of, of find, finding out, I say in quotation mm-hmm. marks, uh, Lois' secret right. when we fi- find it out. It just... It lost some of the um, w- when we talk about it. it we, one of the things we always talk about with Lois, uh, Superman, and Lois is how everything just feels so natural in in the sense of how how things progress. Right. And like I said, say it, say it again. This this one felt staged. Mm-hmm. It felt scripted mm-hmm. and contrived. It did not feel um, genuine. Right correct
0: yeah i just like i said like i i think there were this there was a lot of just uneven performances um this time out and it's because of the script it's because of what they were saying of how they were doing it um like the pushing together of lana and and john henry right it's mm-hmm. like seriously like did, why like does that did, do Why? why does why why do we have to pair everybody off
1: yeah it it it's going, so far, these first two episodes, especially particularly with that, it, it, that's the direction so many dramas go through. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah, like you said, everybody has to be paired up. One of the things I liked about, and again, another show, Mythic Quest, is that the two main characters, like, in their Mythic Quest Bible, they said they will never get together. Right. like. They're, not, they're supposed because it's just showing that people can, you know, men and women can be friends without having to have a relationship, uh, a romantic relationship of any sort. Right. Right. And I, I've said for a long time, I see that where I roll my eyes at some of these things that happen in shows, where it's like you did not have to put these people together. Just let them be associates. Let them right. be friends. Let them be right. whatever. It's fine to have Lana, you know, ha- and, and John Henry. You know have a a relationship in the sense of you know bonding over you know kids and you know not having and uh, whatever's going on it doesn't have to make and and we know based on how how they look in the sense of you know how they go back and forth that it it looks like they're it looks like they're trying to turn it into something more than just a good friendship and that's that's drama so many dramas do that Mm -hmm. and it's it's really irritating yeah i agree
0: um yeah i don't know like and i thought the kids were 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 not great this episode other than again taylor buck who has quickly like become one of my more favorite characters on the show um yeah you know but i also think like like sarah like well you gotta go chase boys and natalie's like i'm working on this thing for the dod bitch like you know yeah I, i'm sorry you're you're a musician kind of whatever you are like you know let me, let me save the goddamn world.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so, My priorities are a little bit higher yeah, than yours.
0: Um, but I will say the guy that was um, the boy who was like, oh, I saw you, the one that had the Troubles high and you disappeared. And then I went off and shot Creed 3. <sighs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, this is, this is dumb. Like, he's obviously well, not going to be what he says he is, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe he's Mannheim's son.
0: No, he, yeah, he's like from Inner Gang, and like, you know, like yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, we're, the, he's like the 21 Jump Street, but like the bad guy version. Yeah. Where they send him to high school parties to get John Henry's daughter. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah just I, I don't know i just think taylor buck did a killer job um she's doing a killer job with what she she's been given right um, um at, at the at the end of the day you know uh we we need some more some more steel and whatever female steel is called female steel yeah. uh, <laughs> lady steel <Ironheart.
1: laughs> Ironheart. <laughs> I heard you. She's much better. Yeah. Well, I mean, how dare you? I, let's put it this way if that was the, if she was the Ironheart we got in uh, Wakanda Forever, oh, I'm, oh thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. Up.
0: Yeah. Except for here, here's the problem with all of that, right? Mar- Marvel doesn't give a shit if it's good or not. <laughs>
1: no, they don't.
0: No, I, no. you know, I'm not sure if DC cares if it's good or not, but. Uh I, I will say Brent Fletcher and Todd Helbing seem to care if this show is good or not, which is why, like out of five, why does the Kent Farm have to be so dusty?s I gave it a two point seven five.
1: Yeah, I gave it a uh, I gave it a three. I, there were some emotional notes that re- still hit with me very yeah. solidly. Um, Clark, I thought you know, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I just but, hate I like hate when said, they make
0: Superman the like, complete backseat. In his own show yeah you know
1: but like you said there just there was a lot of uh, there was unevenness about which is not something we see a lot with this show so i might be get, giving it a little bit of grace of giving mm-hmm. it a three out of five just because it's something that's such a it's it's an anomaly to me for yeah this, show. this is but, the anomaly
0: you know, this is my least favorite thing we are talking about this week yes and it made me sad. Okay. All right. So talking about jumping from the least favorite thing to the most favorite thing, uh, Picard, season three, episode six, The Bounty, directed by Dan Liu, who directed last week's episode, written by Christopher um, Monfetti, I think is how you would say that. Um, So out of five, Will Riker, Riker, they won't Will Riker, they?
1: (laughs) what do you what do you give this one it's funny because i i was i was kind of hedging on that four to four and five and, a half, and mm. i think it's right in the middle because uh, i think it's a little bit better for me than a four but not quite that 4.5 so 4.26 oh did you see what i put <laughs> yeah
0: how very yeah, is, how
1: very a- price is right yeah. of you daryl
0: <laughs> uh i went 4.25 this is my favorite thing i've watched all week and i've been rewatching the expanse yeah. um <laughs> which is why Again? i didn't watch well i mean i'm still re-watching it i'm just going slow oh okay but okay. which is okay. why i didn't watch this until this morning <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right i love this episode for a couple reasons one we got my childhood favorite character back on the episode Commodore, who's Jordy LaForge? No. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, they made Cynthia LaForge an interesting character, finally.
1: Three, Cindy.
0: Yeah, well, it sounded like he kept calling her Sydney. Did you get that? Yeah,
1: it's Sydney. No, it's It's Sydney. It's
0: Cindy. Cynthia. Sydney. Cindy. I gotta go back and watch it with the. I gotta go back and watch it with the. With with captions on. With the <laughs> captions. on, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> like. Well, I mean, because it's really funny because Jord- Jordy's talking to me and he's like, "Let me ask you a question." I'm like, "Dude, come on, <laughs> this five hundred <laughs> years in the future." <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I really wish you were drinking something and you would have spit it all over your microphone there. Um, Cause that would have happened. Um, all right. Two, um, oh, we get data back, but when Brent Spiner is turned on when data, I'm just going to use data as the generic term for the character who he is right now gets turned back on. And when he switches from data to lore, I Dude, almost that was stood a- up and cheered because Dude. the face he makes and the fact that he probably hasn't made the lore face since the episode where they shot lore into the crystal thing um, mm-hmm. was great. Like I love that. Like I was like, "Member lore? I remember." <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, B4, and then he went to b before, and then he went to soon, but not the good soon, the evil soon. And then he, then the data personality took back over and it's like, I'm so excited to watch lore come out at the most inopportune time thinking he's a full powered Android and like trying to do something and not being able to do it.
1: Yeah. That's all I I want to see now.
0: Yeah. Um, I liked um, I liked Jack Crusher's encyclopedia knowledge of the, uh, the starships except for Voyager for some reason. (laughs)
1: I knew you were going to say it's that. Like, I knew you I were mean right like it's that. like that's
0: a pretty like I imagine that's a pretty prominent ship um that's mm-hmm. happening there um and then um what's that? Is that a Klingon bird of prey? Yes. There's three of them right there. Yeah. But uh I did like how that was like a great little video game like chip picking mechanism the way they had them there oh that's kirk's look at the clean lines i loved it it's just so it's so fantastic with the clean lines crisp crisp even chef's kiss (laughs) um but uh but yeah and then um stealing the uh
1: oh the the cloaking uh, device the cloaking device
0: why are they stealing things from my toys (laughs) <laughs> it's it, it reminded me of Ondar Plot from The Force Awakens, where all he I I have to expect him to go. That's mine. <laughs> uh, but no, it was great. Um, and then you had Riker, um, you know, doing the Riker thing, being the hero, being yeah, well, being the alpha male and, of
1: of the Enterprise crew. Yeah, and you got some good uh, Worf Riker. Yeah. Uh, stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, the, so I mean,
0: the Worf Riker stuff didn't really get good until they started writing Worf really good around the middle of season three on Next Gen. Mm-hmm. And then when Warf fell in love with Deanna and Riker was like, I'm not having any of this. I, she is not going to date a Klingon. I don't care. Like, she can be friends with a Klingon. She can have dinner with a Klingon. But she is not going to date a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they had that like begrudging respect for each other after that, even though they were never friends ever again.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I just there was so much here, so much good stuff. Yeah, and so much of the, the nostalgia, but it was done in a way that you know. Going one of the things I said, how some of the stuff with mm-hmm. uh, Lois felt contrived. That often is a case with a lot of stuff where, especially modern. Mm-hmm. Storytelling where they use your nostalgia to get you there, and it feels contrived, but right. you know that parts of it still feel good because you're like, "Oh, I remember that," even though the way they in- it, like integrated it sucked. But this, this is what could, one of
0: the, this is what Picard should have been all along.
1: I said that to one of my other. I was like, if Picard was like this from season one, I would have loved this show from the start. Absolutely, because this it's so well it's not just a good it's good it's it's excellent writing the acting is better because because i think out of the what i've seen from season one or or season one and what i've seen from season two i should say in the patrick stewart is this is his best he's been acting in this series so far and so that a lot of that has to do with the writing and i i just i love the you know getting uh views of some of these older starships I, I'm really liking Jack Crusher's character. Yeah, I I, I saw, I, I, and I I like the and again going back to, not having stuff drag out, the the confrontation and the issue that Jordy's had with Sydney, it finally it it getting resolved mm-hmm. at the end of the story. Right, that's an, again we're we're talking about how s- these things get resolved and not dragged out for two or three episodes like what you see in uh. Inferior dramas, right? Because they they want to pat the runtime and stuff like that. But I thought that was great, and and then George <laughs> Captain Shaw when he meets George. Look oh forward. yeah, well, he, talk he, about he, fanboy. He's trying not to
0: fangirl out, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and I love Jordy's. Like you know, if you know if this wasn't going on, I would geek out with you about the Marvel that is this Titan class starship but you know we got stuff to do right but i i just had so much fun with this episode uh this, it was it was my favorite episode of yeah. this season so I, far. i mean heart. that's
0: that's why i went to 4.25 i mean they they there's yeah. still room to grow um yeah i think deanna is a changeling I think at the so end too. of the show because if it was her she was a god imzadi and yeah. you know and Instead, she looked at him and, you know, she's like, when do we get to take a smoke break?
1: <laughs> also, if, if, you're, if you're that evil of a changeling, yeah. wouldn't you also take the baby as well? Because, I mean, talk about double. Right. Um, I mean, this is what Charlize Theron did in Fast 8. She took
0: the lady and the mm-hmm. kid. And Dom didn't even know yeah. he had a kid. Like, he would have, like, just fought yeah. over the lady. Like... Yeah.
1: Anyway, so I, I I think she's I I think she's yeah a changeling as well.
0: Uh yes, I agree. And I uh, am also going to say like this episode looked fantastic. Um yes. And also the member buried part of bringing Moriarty back, which was really fun, Dude. was a really fun episode of Next Gen. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um. I, I think you know the I'd, only thing I might have changed is I mm-hmm. might have put um Cisco in charge of the ship graveyard. Just because like he's a sick bastard and he's gonna protect that stuff like it's nobody's business. Right? <laughs> Benjamin I mean, Cisco. Benjamin <laughs> Cisco. And it'd be cool to see Commodore Cisco. Um but yeah. I don't know. I really liked it. I'm I'm curious if um how this is going to go with data moving forward as well. And yeah, the fact I, that we really found out what they stole in his yes, body. The, yeah. Oh, here's my theory on this. Are you ready for it? I'm I'm ready. They're they're going in they're going to they took his body so they could see if there's any Borg technology left that they can institute into the changelings to make a new kind of collective. Like that, they can reverse engineer to not be Ooh. like Borg, where it's a hive mind, but a new collective where they can do a better job of um, not having to be away or rest for so long.
1: Because that was mentioned in the show, and the yeah, the that captain he says something along that those so, lines of being away. Yeah, because they so, have to, they
0: have to like, they have to be away, and they can't hold the form for like indefinite. But if they could form some kind of like like in like intergalactic hive where they can just all like pool their collective energies that they could have people who are able to rest and then put that energy back out into the collective so they could hold their forms longer. That would be cool. Yeah. That's what I would do if I was a changeling,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So I, I am really, it, I'm really fascinated to see where this story yeah, yeah, where where this is going, mm-hmm. because again, I, I think the, you know, the pacing of everything is rock solid. The, just the, the, the way they introduced the, the nostalgia and also one of the things, you know, we're talking about the Daystrom Institute, see some of the, you know, nice old, the staff member mm-hmm. berries there. They had James T. Kirk, they had a second generation Genesis device. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the fact we were talking about the Klingon ship, that was the one from the Voyage Home. Yeah,
0: and he was like,
1: oh, with the whales. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I thought was it great. Dis-
0: I like when, she, when she's like, yeah, it disappeared for a while. And then he's like, wait a second. It's got a Klingon I, uh, yeah. that Yeah. Was, it, was really, it was just really good. Yeah,
1: so. really well done. Really well done. Yep. All right. Well,
0: on that note, thank you all for
1: listening anything else you want to add big guy uh no hope everybody has a nice happy weekend and yeah I, I can't wait for next week because we get more of all these all these great shows and hopefully we're
0: going to talk about john wick four next week
1: oh yeah oh dude i cannot wait to see that from based on just the little stuff i've seen about well you know, some the, of the fact people that people i think it's made it.
0: 70 million already i don't think that's even the opening yet like um
1: yeah I can't wait for that, man. L- L- LFG, for that. as the kids say. Yeah, all almost three hundred, all almost three hours of it. I can't wait. Yes. Why? Why? <laughs>
0: Why? Anyway, I know. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to come in and be like, it could have been an hour and fifteen minutes shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Already, we know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if I come in? And I'm like, you're right. It should have been longer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could have gotten like 18 more minutes. We needed we needed seven more minutes. <laughs> anyway, because <laughs> uh, it's what two hours? You said two hours forty nine. Two hours thirty yes. something.
1: Mm-hmm. Two two forty nine. Let me let me double check that, John. Well, uh, yeah. Click for
0: runtime. It is wow. The first cut of the movie ran roughly four hour, or roughly four hours long. Jeez. So, um, three hours and it says, oh, the first cut had a runtime of three hours and forty five minutes. Uh, all right, screw you. I'm going to the Wikipedia. <laughs> I'll just be right there. Um, here we go. Wikipedia, John Wick 4. The runtime is 169 minutes. 180 minutes is is three hours. So it is 11 minutes shy. Which is? Two hours and 49 minutes. Yes. FML. You're correct, sir. F. M-L. <laughs> um. can we get a john wick nobody crossover you think you think someone could make
1: that happen yes. for us please please yeah. please come on please yeah anyway all right on that note
0: please. we shall talk to you all next week later see ya infamous podcast is recorded in kings mills ohio just north of cincinnati you can find new episodes every sunday on apple podcast youtube spotify google podcast our website or anywhere podcasts are downloaded this show is hosted by daryl jasper and me brian tudor to find more information about the show visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on facebook and instagram at infamous podcast to keep up with the show We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show, to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.